All right, let's pray, guys. Uh, Father, just thank you for this time midweek to stop, to breathe, to take in spiritual food and nourishment. And uh, we just pray that our hearts, our minds would be directed to spiritual truth right now, that you would minister to each of us, Lord, as you seem fit by your spirit. And we love you. We thank you for this love letter you've given us. We thank you for the gift of worship, the gift of fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ. And for all these kids all over these buildings that are memorizing the Bible right now and learning scripture, we wanna pray for these young ones, Lord, that they would have a foundation of truth in a world filled with lies and uh, help us to have that foundation too. And I just ask for your blessing now as I preach, uh, as I as I just um, seek to impart your words to your people. And we just pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay. So funny, you know, I have this scrolling thing. And so sometimes I gotta, I scrolled too far and I gotta scroll right back. Um, Sunday morning was a good time in God's house. Would you agree? Yes. Good time in God's house, time of worship. Uh, we got to dedicate babies. I always think that's special. As families come up and it's really, dedication of themselves and I, I mean, how glorifying to God. Jesus is the one that said, bring the children, what? Unto me. Um, we studied that incredible passage of lift up your eyes, behold the fields are what? White unto harvest. You know, such a powerful passage. And, and just to be reminded of those truths. And then I had a productive life uh, groups meeting afterward, um, a leaders meeting, Pastor Andrew led. It was just a, a great time. And I was really looking forward to just going home because kind of a, a long morning and then a meeting afterward and just going home to get some rest uh, before the evening service. And I made my way back to my office to gather my stuff and I walked by my mailbox and uh, in my mailbox, I spotted this. Um, thick envelope, handwritten note, this is never a love letter. Full of cash. Not full of cash either. 25 years of ministry in this church. Anytime I walk by my office and something like this is sitting on my desk or somebody snuck it somewhere, these are always full of criticisms, always full of corrections. And just the case in point. So wait, wait, let me finish. I'm preaching. It's okay. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me. Um, <laughs> no, no. So you go from the heights of enjoyment and worship, being in God's house with God's people, to a valley of discouragement, saying, God, really? What's wrong with your sheep? Why? You know? And we've all been there. You've been there. You know what it's like. One moment to be on a mountaintop feeling great, and the next time, it's like the bottom just fell out and you're discouraged. And we all go through that and including our man Christian. And that's where he's going right now. He's going into a valley, the valley of humiliation is what we're told. And we're studying the life of this man Christian, John Bunyan's classic Pilgrim's Progress, this allegory of your life and my life, the Christian life. And um, we're studying the scripture not the book, we're saying the scripture behind the book, the teachings of God. And um, Christian has left the house beautiful, which represents the church, right? And he's left though, he's left the church fully armored. He has the armor of God on and he's descending into this hill of, he's descending the hill of difficulty into the valley of humiliation. And he's gonna find out that it's more dangerous going down 
the hill of difficulty than it is going up. And this is what we read from the book. As it was difficult coming up, so, so far as I can see, it is dangerous going down. Yes, said Prudence, so it is. For it is a hard matter for a man to go down into the valley of humiliation. It is a hard matter for a man or a woman to go down into what? The valley of humiliation. As that art now, and to catch, and to catch no slip by the way, therefore, the, uh, said they, we are come out to accompany thee down the hill. So he began to go down, but very warily, yet he caught a slip or two. Now, I think it's interesting. Remember, he's coming out of the church. He's coming out of House Beautiful. And oftentimes, you can leave the House Beautiful. You can leave church on a Sunday morning, but you don't know what's waiting on you for Monday morning. And that's what's happening with this man. He's left church. He's left on a high. He's been outfitted. But now he's going to face some real difficulties in his life. And uh, what are we going to learn tonight? We're going to learn some important truths about the Valley of Humiliation. This is the first one. You will enter that valley of humiliation. No Christian is immune to the valley of humiliation. Every single one of us goes through that valley from time to time because life is hard and life is humbling. This is a broken, sinful world. And this is not a time to feel sorry for ourselves. This is not a time to be filled with self-pity because it's not all bad. The valley of humiliation is filled with good, godly benefits. And we need to remember that because the valley of humiliation helps us to remember to be humble and helps us to remember to depend on God and helps bring about maturity in our faith. That's why Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. You've been distressed by what? Various, various trials. There's a variety of trials out there. Variety is the spice of life. <laughs> okay. And so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he says, I want you to rejoice when you go through these difficulties because they're not going to last forever. He says, they're just for a little, a little while, in all honesty, in the big scheme of things. And it's good for you because it's going to prove your faith. It's going to show you that you really are a true child of God as you grow in your faith and you trust in your God. And the results are going to be praise, honor, and glory to God. So that's why Peter wrote this. That's, this is why James wrote this in James 4, 6. He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the who? The proud. God is opposed to the proud but he gives grace to the humble. So it's okay to go through that valley of humiliation because it can purge us of any and all what? Pride. So those difficult times in life can be very important for me and very important for you. They can purge us of our pride and we receive extra measures of God's amazing grace. So think about that. He gives a greater grace, he says gives a greater grace. That's why Paul wrote these words, you know, about the thorn in the flesh to keep him from exalting himself, a messenger of Satan to torment me from exalting myself. He prays, he asks God how many times? Three times, please remove this, please remove this, please remove this. And God said, right away, Paul. What did God say? No, I'm not doing it because my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. 
So again, there's a benefit of understanding you're going to experience God's power in your life like you've never experienced it before. You're going to experience God's grace at a deeper level that you wouldn't have experienced before. So every Christian goes through it, and it's not all bad. There are benefits, and it is in this place, in the valley of humiliation, that we will face um, spiritual attack, those messengers of Satan. That's why Christian was just outfitted with what? The armor of God. Remember, his loins were girded with truth. He had the breastplate of righteousness. His feet shod with the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. Swing that sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. And then we saw at the very end, pray, 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 and pray. As he mentions petitions and prayers and petitions and prayers over and over again. So we are going to face some spiritual attacks. And again, Ephesians 6 tells us we don't struggle against flesh and blood, do we? But against those rulers, powers, world forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness. He meets one of them. Let me read part of the book to you. In this valley of humiliation, poor Christian was hard put to it. For he had gone but just a little way before he spied, uh, spied a foul fiend coming over the field to meet him. His name is Apollyon. The name Apollyon is taken from the book of Revelation chapter 9, where he is the leader of the abyss, um, a bottomless pit, a great furnace, where these debilitating, satanic, horse-like, scorpion-like locusts is what he is over, these armies. And in verse 11, we read these. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. His name, and in Greek, his name is Apollyon. Apollyon or Abaddon mean the same thing. It means destroyer. That's who these, that's what these satanic forces do. They want to destroy. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what the evil one wants to do. And that's the realm his emissaries want to do. They want to destroy. So number one is just understand you will enter the valley of humiliation. Here's the second one. You will feel isolation. You will feel isolation. Um, Christians alone. He's, he's left the house beautiful. He's left the church. So he's no longer in the church. He's no longer around fellow Christians. He doesn't seem to have any spiritual support. Evangelist is no longer there. Attacks will often happen when we are what? Alone. When we're alone. So you, you need to have your armor on. You need to be ready. Okay? When I, when I walked back from the church after a great day of worship and spending time in the Word and everything, and I walked back to my office and I saw that envelope, guess what I was? I was alone. And my heart, boom. As soon as I saw that envelope, I just sunk. I just sunk. Because I knew what it was. As soon as I picked it up. As soon as I saw it. <laughs> um, but here's the good news. We are never truly alone. We are never truly alone. David in 1 Samuel 36, verse 30, or verse 6 of chapter 30. Uh, it's, the context is the battle of uh, Ziklag and all the children and the wives and all the goods are taken while David and his men were on a raid. And it says David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, killing him. And all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. They're hating David right now. They're mad at David. The decision he took and they went and now they've come back and look what you've done. 
But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's where you got to find your strength, in the Lord your God. The psalmist, Psalm 46, 1 and through 3, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Present. He's going to be your help right in the trouble. You're not alone, okay? Uh, Paul was not alone. In 2 Timothy 4, 16 and through 18, it says, at my first defense, no one supported me. All deserted me. Is he alone? Yeah, he's totally alone. But he's not alone. The next verse. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So you are alone, but you're not alone. Job. Was Job alone? Sure felt like it. Sure looked like it. Everybody's gone. Nobody wants to be around him. But God had his steadfast eye on Job. He was not alone. So what do we learn about this valley of humiliation? We're all going to go through it. Number one, we will feel isolation. Or number, number one, you will enter it. Number two, you will feel isolation. Number three, you will face temptations. You will face temptation. You know, the first temptation that Christian faces is the temptation to quit. That's the first one. Then did Christian begin to be afraid and to cast his mind whether to go back or to stand his ground. But he considered again that he had no armor for his back and therefore thought that to turn the back to him might give him greater advantage with ease to pierce him with his darts. Therefore, he resolved to venture and stand his ground. I just love this because he realized what we should realize. We don't have armor on our backside. <laughs> so don't turn and run. You got no armor back here, friend. So what does that mean? Face your trial. Face your difficulty. Don't you dare retreat. You have the armor of God. You don't have armor on your backside, though. So face the trials. You're going to make it. You're going to go through. Have you not faced trials in your past? Absolutely. Will you not face trials in your future? Sure, that's great news. Thanks, Pastor Scott. <laughs> yes, you will. But don't retreat. So there's a temptation to quit. And then there's this temptation to go back to your old life. Go back to your old life. This is what the enemy says to Christian. Be content to go back. And what our country will afford, I do here promise to give thee. Go back to the city of destruction. Go back to your sinful lifestyle. Go back to the pleasantries of your past and do whatever you want. See, the enemy's a real smooth talker, is he not? We see that all the way back in the garden and he's been doing it ever since. He's a serpent, he's crafty, he's called the tempter. We also are told in Revelation, he's the great dragon, the serpent of old, the devil, Satan, who deceives the whole world. What does he deceive? The whole world. He's really good at deception. So be careful. Don't go back to your old way of living. Don't go back to your old sinful past. You stand your ground with your armor. That's another thing we learn. You will enter the valley of humiliation. You will feel isolation. You will face temptations. Here's the fourth one. You will hear accusations. You will hear accusations against you. The enemy loves to dredge up the past. I, I grew up on the South Jersey shore and um, dredging is just the thing that happens. They, they dredge the canals where the boats go through. They dredge out and they refill the beaches. When they dredge it up, man, they just dredge up all this muck and this mire sometimes and all this gunk and broken shells and nastiness. That's what the enemy wants to do. 
He wants to dredge up all the sin of your past and constantly remind you of your past. That's what he wants to do. Be careful. And that's what happens to Christian. He reminds Christian in, in this book of five of his past failures. This is the first one. Remember when you fell into the slough of despond? You weren't, you weren't alert. You weren't paying attention. You were dumb. And you fell. Second one, you sought the wrong ways to get rid of your burden. You were listening to worldly wise men instead of evangelists. How many times have we listened to foolish worldly advice and got ourselves in trouble? Here's the third one. You, you, you slept on the hill of difficulty. You slept when you should have been awake. You lost time and you lost the scroll. You were lazy. The, the enemy will remind you of past laziness in your life. You were fearful is number four. You were fearful when you faced those lions. You were scared to death. There's no courage in you. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have gone forward if it wasn't for that porter calling you. The last one is you're inwardly desiring vain glory. You're proud in all you say and all you do. You lack humility. So he reminds him of his times of pride in his life. He's bringing up the past. He's, he's accusing him of him. And that's what he's called in scripture. He's called the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation chapter 12, for the accuser of our brethren has been brought down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Day and night. Night and day. He's constantly accusing the children of God. If you go back to the book of Job, you see what the enemy does. Has God said, and you can't believe you did this, and look, God, he wouldn't do anything, and the only reason he's following you is because of this and because of that and because of that. That's what the enemy does, constantly accusing God's people before the throne. You have an accuser, but praise God, you have an advocate. You have an advocate. 1 John 2, 1, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He stands in our stead and he defends us. He's there. Job 16, 19, Job says, even now, behold, my witness is in heaven and my advocate is on high. Wow, I love that confidence. My, my witness is in heaven and I have an advocate on high. Now, Christian does an interesting thing. He owns his failures. He owns them. He's been honest with God about his failures. He's been honest with himself about his failures. And now he's honest with his enemy. And this is what Christian says. All this is true and much more which thou hast left out. But the prince whom I serve and honor is merciful and ready to forgive. Kind of reminds us of uh, Psalm 86.5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Love that verse, Psalm 86.5. So he says, I'm going to be honest with the enemy. It reminds me of this great Martin Luther quote, the great reformer. This is what he said. Listen to these words. When I go to bed, the devil is always waiting for me. When he begins to plague me, I give him this answer. Devil, I must sleep. That's God's command. Work by day, sleep by night, so go away. <laughs> then he says this. If that doesn't work and he brings out a catalog of sins, I say, yes, old fella. I know all about it, and I know some more that you've overlooked. Here are a few extra. Put them down. <laughs> if he still won't quit and presses me hard and accuses me of, as a sinner, I scorn him and say, physician, heal thyself. <laughs> that great quote. Great quote. Christian has nothing to hide. He says, I know my sins, 
And, you, and there's more sins you don't even know about, my enemy. But my God is gracious. And my God is forgiving. And my God has cleansed me. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from what? All, All unrighteousness. That's the God you serve. One last thing. You will enter that valley of humiliation. You will feel isolation. You will face temptation. You will hear accusations. You must stand without reservation. You must stand without reservation. What takes place? The enemy is um, vengeful and wrathful and rages at Christian. Prepare thyself to die, for I swear by my infernal den that thou go no further. Here I will spill thy soul. And without he threw a flaming dart at his breast, but Christian had a shield in his hand. What is that shield? The shield of faith. And with which he caught it and so prevented the danger of that. Then we're told that he reached. He reached for a sword. What is the sword? The word of God. The word of God. The word of God is that which protects us. It's that which comforts us. It's that which revives us. Psalm 119.11. Your word I've treasured in my heart that I may not what? Sin against you. So protects us from sin. Psalm 119 verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction that your word has revived me. What brings comfort in affliction? The word of God. The word of God. And what brings revive, revival in my heart? What? the word of God, the word of God. If you were to find comfort in your valley of humiliation, you must get into the word of God. If you were to be revived out of your funk, you're just so down, you've got to be in the word of God. It's the sword that encourages. Micah, verse, Micah chapter seven, verse eight. Here's some just encouraging verses. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. The Lord is a light. And then Romans 8, 37. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who what? Loved us. You just need to remember how much you are loved and your God has not abandoned you. What happens when we use the word of God against the enemy? What happens when we use the word of God against the enemy? Tell me. He flees. He takes off. He flees. We saw that with Jesus in the temptation, didn't we? Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And three different times he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. And then we're told this, verse 11, Matthew 4, then the devil left him. And behold, the angels came and began to minister to him. So he fled from Jesus. He flees from Christian. It says in the, in the book, and with that, Apollyon spread forth his dragon wings, sped him away, and Christian saw him no more. Good riddance. So he fled from Jesus, he fled from Christian, and he will flee from you, child of God. He will flee from you. Take up the shield of faith. Take up the sword of the Spirit. James 4, 7. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And he will what? He will flee from you. Say this verse with me. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. One more time. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then the last thing we see after he picks up the shield, after he reaches for the sword, after he watches the enemy flee, he does this. 
I got this. No. He gives thanks to God. He gives thanks to God. So when the battle was over, Christian said, I will here give thanks to him that hath delivered me out of the mouth of the lion, to him that did help me against Apollyon. There's no pride. There's no arrogance. There is only gratitude to God. Kind of reminds us of Psalm 22, uh, 20, uh, 19 through 22. Psalm 22. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword and my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen, you answer me. Verse 22, I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. So he praises God. He gives thanks to God. And that's what we learn about this valley of humiliation that none of us wants to go through. That we all must go through <laughs> the valley of humiliation. And what happens? We will feel isolation, but we're not alone. We will face temptations, but we can overcome them. We will hear accusations, but we have an advocate with the Father and our sins are forgiven. And we can stand without reservation. You take up that shield and you take up that sword. And when that devil flees, you give thanks to God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, for this book and the truths of scripture behind it and the things we learn as we travel um, to the celestial city. And Lord, help us not give in to those temptations of the devil, whether they're to quit or to sin or whatever it be. Help us stay strong and protect us and guard us and prepare us. And may we walk wisely taking up the armor of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.